Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke 11, if you don't have a traditional Bible but you'd like one and you're comfortable, just raise your hand and one of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. You can also take your smart device and open up the YouVersion app. It's also called the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures, those have already been uploaded. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures right here on the screen behind me. If you're watching us online at one of our other sites or at one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, I love you guys, and I am so glad that you are part of our family. Well, this is the final message, the final week in a series that we've been in where we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that many of you know, a prayer that many of you have memorized, that you have uh, recited, and quite honestly, I think that this will prove to be the most practical message in the series, because I think there aren't very many people that would say they're happy uh, with their prayer life. In fact, I think most people would say that they're not even satisfied with their prayer life. Most people, even seasoned followers of Jesus, they feel like they don't pray enough. And even if they feel like they pray enough, I think most people feel like they don't pray uh, well enough. And we discover in the New Testament that Jesus' disciples, they're no different. So in Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 1, they address their insecurities head on. And, And it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus launched into what we now know, of course, as the Lord's Prayer. He said, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins because we forgive everyone who has sinned against us. And finally, lead us not into temptation. And so after a month of talking about this, I think the question arises, well, how do I make this work? (laughs) How is it that I can come up with a routine that actually works for my everyday life? And I want to talk about that today. I want to help you with that in a message that we're calling Pray first. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for who you are, for what you do. This is the day that you have made, and so we will rejoice, and we will be glad in it. And so, God, thank you for my friends who are here on this side of the screen, my friends who are on the other side of the screen. I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open so that our hearts can be softened and that our minds can be changed. God, for just a few minutes, we set aside our agenda. We set aside our time frame. God, for just a few minutes, we pray that you would make room for you so that when we leave here, we'd be less like us and more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question that arises, not not just for me, but I think for a lot of you, is how do I make the whole prayer thing work? I mean, I know I'm supposed to pray. For many of you, you say, I even want to pray. I don't think Anybody who's a follower of Jesus ever gets up and says, you know what, I don't want to pray today. I'm tired of praying. I'm tired of things that work. I'm tired of talking to God. But the question that arises is, how do I pray? What's the trick? What's the secret? And so I want to give it to you today. It's really just found in two scriptures, Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 
verse 17. Here's what Luke 18, one says. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Here's what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says. Never stop praying. There it is. Super simple. Always pray <laughs> and never stop praying. Do you ever hear somebody give you a little message or a little talk and go, oh, bro, I feel even worse than I did when I came in here? After a month, that's really what we got to? We could have just got to that in the beginning. Maybe you're thinking, like, always pray. I read that and I go, oh, like, always pray. Have you ever heard the people that are like really strong Christians? They say, you know, we'll pray without ceasing. And that makes you wonder, like, when I'm in the line at the grocery store or when I'm picking my kids up or dropping my kids off, am I supposed to be praying then? What is it I'm supposed to be praying about? Because I think, I think more people feel like they would fall into the category of never pray than people who fall into the category of always pray. And, and so with that response in mind, I want to help you uh, make prayer more palatable. I want to give you three things that you can try for the next seven days. I hope that you did the last seven-day challenge for seven days. Like, if we can just break things down in uh, bite-sized nuggets, if we could... Say about a diet the other day. Uh, as you can tell, I am a fitness guru. I'm, I'm making my series of videos right now on fitness. It's uh, how to do nothing and accomplish nothing. I think it'll really sell. I think people are really gonna, I don't know what the infomercial would be. Maybe the infomercial would be me watching an infomercial of an infomercial. I don't know what the diet plan uh, uh, would be, but if you could just take whatever it is that you wanna eat. I was thinking about this the other day. I actually texted this to Pastor Sonny. I said, uh, what if you could come up with a diet that was the one bite diet? You eat anything you want to eat, anything, but you can only eat one bite of it. You want key lime cheesecake? Come on, somebody in Jesus' name. Here's the thing. After you take one bite of most things, you've, it's the luster's worn off. Like, you, you, like if, if you go to Cheesecake Factory, like you go to Milwaukee and you go to Cheesecake Factory, which, first of all, they must be the world's largest producer of whipped cream. Like, when you, when you get a cheesecake, if you've ever been to Cheesecake Factory, it's 40% cheesecake, 70% whipped cream. You go, the math doesn't work. Exactly. And it's just like a piece of cheesecake, and then they go, what can we do to fill this giant plate? Let's give them all the whipped cream that we have on earth. And so, like, generally, you go to Cheesecake Factory, and you go, you know what I want? I want the Oreo cheesecake. Who doesn't want the Oreo cheesecake? It is cheesecake filled with Oreos. And then on the top of the Oreo cheesecake, they cut a giant Oreo in half, and they put it on top of the cheesecake. I think even fitness people, I bet you the rock goes to Cheesecake Factory, and if they walked by with the Oreo cheesecake, The Rock would go, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Like, he, he, he may not eat it, because he's stronger than me, but when he walks by and that waft of Oreo-ness goes into his nostrils, he goes, I want that. But what if The Rock knew if I could just eat one bite? That would be it, because you get the Oreo cheesecake and you eat it, and for most of us, like by the second bite, it's plenty. It's enough. And so I thought, what if you could just do whatever you wanted, eat whatever you wanted, and you, just, and you just took one bite? If you told me that I had to eat broccoli, just one broccoli, fine. I'll just eat the one broccoli. I think prayer and scripture is a little bit like that. I, I think when you, when you look at reading the Bible, it becomes overwhelming. It's a lot. It's a lot of words. 
Half of the words, if you get the wrong version, you don't even know what the words are. You, you, you can't understand them like we talked about last week. You hear names, you don't know how to pronounce the names. And so through this series, I've really been thinking, what if we could just make this thing like a bite-sized morsel? And so, so what if rather than today, you said, I'm gonna change my whole life? Like that's a big thing to ask, right? Like I want you to rearrange your whole life around the prayer thing. What if you just decided, for the next seven days, I'm, I'm gonna do just a few things for the next seven days, and then I'm gonna back up at the end of those seven days, I'm gonna ask myself, did that make a difference? Did, did that do anything for me? Did it change anything in me? Did I feel anything when I did that? Did I, did I feel any relief? Did I feel any of that anxiety or that animosity? Did I feel that begin to pull away? From me, Did I feel more drawn to kindness, to joy, to love, to peace? And so for the next seven days, I'm going to ask you to do three things, and I, I think it'll start to create a habit in you. Here's the first. When it comes to prayer, have a certain time. Prayer cannot be accidental. It has to be intentional. You, you can't just give God your leftovers. You can't just fit prayer in, or you'll never fit prayer in. It, ha it has to be on purpose. For me, my certain time is in the morning. First thing, the wait when I wake up, I, I have coffee and prayer before I get into emails or texts, tweets, snaps, Facebook, before I eat breakfast, before I get on Google, I have an appointment with prayer. Make an appointment with Jesus. Put it in your phone. Set an alarm. Daniel 6.10 says, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to the upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Now, you don't have to have three times a day, but you do have to have one time a day. So for the next seven days, have a certain time. Here's a second. Uh, just, just for the next seven days, when it comes to prayer, have a certain place. Old school Jesus people would call that their prayer closet. Uh, I don't have a prayer closet. Have you seen the movie, The War Room? That's, you know, with the lady, the older lady, and she, you know, every, everything on earth was going wrong. And so she took all her clothes out of her closet, put pictures up. And some of you did that, by the way. You saw the war room and you went to your husband and you said, I need you to take all my clothes out of the walk-in closet. And I need you to put up a picture of Ethiopia and we are going to pray. We're going to pray. Oh, it's going to be my, my war room. And now your clothes are back in it because you got tired of going into the war room or your husband got tired of your clothes laying all over the floor. And so old school Jesus people, they would call that their their prayer closet. I don't have a prayer closet, but I have a certain place. When the weather's nice, it's out on my patio. This time of the year, though, I have a chair. It's, it's my prayer chair, and my family knows what the prayer chair is. In fact, a few weeks ago, I was out of town, and one morning, my daughter, Aubrey, she texted me a picture of her in the prayer chair, and I thought, oh, man, that is a win. And so I just texted back this emoji. Oh, that's the emoji. Listen, all old people. That's the official emoji that makes you go, oh, so have a certain place. Jesus had a place. Luke 11 says, one day while Jesus was praying in a certain place. Mark 1, 35, it reiterates that. It says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, that's a certain time, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place, a certain place where he 
prayed. So have a certain place. Here's the third thing I want you to try for the next seven days is when it comes to prayer, have a certain plan. Have an outline. Like Jesus had an outline. He, he had a certain plan. We've been talking about it for this entire series. We now call it the Lord's Prayer. And that's not all he prayed, but it was his starting point. It was his framework. It was his outline. It says, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins because we've forgiven everyone who sins against us. Finally, keep us from temptation. It was his plan. It was his list. Making a list will make it meaningful. It's like it's intentional. You're not just shooting in the wind anymore. It it makes it important. Like I have a list. Here's my Here's my prayer list. This is what my rundown would be. First of all, I'm a prayer journal guy. And maybe you guys aren't journal people, but I'm a prayer journal guy because it helps keep me focused. Here's what I know is if I pray and I'm just sitting there praying, at least 50% of the time I won't be praying. At least 50% of the time I'll be thinking about something else. If you ever forget what it was you were supposed to be doing, if you ever forget what it is you were supposed to pick up at the store, Just sit down and decide that you're going to dedicate some time to prayer. Because the minute that you start praying, I guarantee you, the enemy will start dropping things into your mind that you forgot that you were supposed to do. And pretty soon, it's just a time to make a list of things to do rather than just a time of prayer. And so for me, I'm a a prayer journal guy. And I'm, I'm uh, I'm very regimented in certain parts of my life. And when it comes to prayer... It is that. And so for me, this is my order that I write in my prayer journal. I acknowledge God first for who he is. Uh, And it's not that I need to tell God who he is, but I do. It's not that I need to tell him. It's that I need to tell him. I don't need to tell him for his sake. I need to tell him for my sake. And so I've been a believer now for a quarter century. So I have some old school Christian words. And so I say things like you're magnificent. Or you're glorious. Like you would know, I mean, most people wouldn't say that to other people. I, I think if you would, half of you wouldn't need per, uh, marriage counseling. But if you like, if you, I don't remember the last time I looked at Pastor Sunny and said, you're glorious. If I said, anyway, so if I said that, she'd send me that emoji. Anyway, and so for me, I acknowledge God for who he is. Then I worship him. And, and then I thank him for all of my blessings. And once I thank him and I list the things that I have to be grateful for. And sometimes they're different things. Sometimes I thank him for the things I have. Sometimes I thank him for the things that haven't happened in my life. I'm not, uh, I didn't get a ransom note today at my house. My kids didn't get kidnapped last night. I didn't get a call from the sheriff at 2 a.m. last night that said that one of my kids had been in a wreck or had been picked up for a DWI. Like sometimes I thank him for the things I, I don't know, but I, I, I pray, I thank him for my blessings. Then I pray the prayer of Jabez that we talked about last week, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, keep your hand on me, keep me from sin so I don't cause any pain. And then I pray that God would bless the people that I love, that God would bless Sonny, that God would bless my kids, that God would bless my family and hers, that God would bless my friends, that God would bless you, that God would bless the 920, that God would bless the beyond, that God's beginning to open opportunities to Pastor Sonny and I, that, that finally, here's the last thing that I pray. I pray that God would bless those who curse me. It's just my list, and I don't always finish the list. Sometimes you will, and sometimes 
You won't, but it's just a roadmap. So for the next seven days, can you have a certain plan? For the, for the next seven days, can you just try to pray first? Like, what would happen if you did that? What would happen if before you did anything, you decided to pray first? What if before you responded to your spouse, before you responded to your kids, before you responded to your boss or that email, before you spent that money, before you posted that on social, before you opened your mouth, what if you had a little rule that you don't even speak? (laughs) And if you say, well, I'm not a morning person, can you imagine if you bathed your spirit in prayer before you even opened your mouth. Wouldn't it change like everything in your life? Here's what God said. He said, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Don't pray as a last resort. Pray is the first response. Pray first, okay? So as I close this series, uh, I thought, why don't I take those three things and why don't I dig just just a little bit deeper, go a little bit past the surface, because now you've got three little practical things that, that you can do this week. But for some of you, you walk away and you go, That's, it's not enough. It's not enough that I went to Costco today and I got the little sample. Uh, I want to dig just a little bit deeper. So let me, in the last 15 minutes that we have together, give you four things to pray first about. Here's the first. What if you prayed first for our nation before you watched Fox News or CNN, before you formed an opinion or criticized? What if you prayed? Can you be part of the process rather than part of the problem? Like, don't we have enough experts? Don't we have enough advisors? Don't we have enough talking heads? I I have a friend who's an expert. And like, literally, he's an expert. He's on Fox News all the time. Like, he was an Amway guy. Do you remember Amway? Remember when you met somebody somewhere and they were handsome? And they struck up a conversation and you and your need for relationships were like, well... Pastor Sonny and I had a guy one time, we were living in Nashville, we had a guy, handsome. We were filling our car with gas. And, uh, and the guy just, he just, uh, just sparked up a conversation. I don't remember what the conversation was, but it was, it was magnetic enough that him and I began to dialogue. Next thing you know, he's in our dining room <laughs> with a briefcase and the opportunity of a lifetime. <laughs> And the only thing that bailed us out was our garage sale dining room set. That while he was talking, we, we had one of those uh, octagon tables that's glass in the middle and wood on the outside, and the chair is made of wicker, and it just, and it does this with the brass legs. It looked dope in the store or at the garage sale. And as he was talking to us about the opportunity of a lifetime, this started happening. <laughs> that joker picked up his briefcase, took his opportunity to dip. He just left. Every one of you knows somebody who met you with an opportunity of a lifetime. My friend, who's the expert, he, he was an Amway guy who became a, a New York Times bestselling author, which got him a job in the West Wing as a presidential advisor. And, and now he's a talking head who's become an expert. And he became that expert by raising enough money and donating enough time to a presidential campaign. That's literally how it happened. He doesn't have a degree in political science. He worked in the West Wing. 
doesn't have a degree in political science. He has a degree in biblical studies, but he knew how to raise money now. Now he's an expert. And I think, don't we have enough experts? Aren't there already enough opinions? I mean, the apostle Paul wrote a letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, and ultimately told us that I urge you, first of all, to pray, to pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that you can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. I wonder, when is the last time you prayed for the president, the Supreme Court, Congress, the Senate? When's the last time in your frustration you talked to God first? You've talked to everybody else. Why not talk to God? You know, complaining never accomplished anything. Compassion can't. Have you ever thought about how difficult someone's job, their position, their responsibilities, or their situation might be before you criticized it or assumed that you'd be better at it? I'm not talking about compromise. There are things we need to stand for. There are things that we don't agree with. There are things that when you get your opportunity to vote again, you vote however your conscience and the Bible tells you to vote. But once that person is put into a position of authority, then God has just declared. He just, I don't write it. You'd be pissed off at this. I'm just saying. I don't want to pray for people half the time either. But I want to go to heaven more than I want to be right. And so I'm not talking about compromise, I'm talking about compassion, I'm talking about commitment, a commitment to pray first. Our job, this book says, is to be a blessing. And so when we say, God bless America, are those, are those just idle words? Because it's, it's hard to say you want God to bless America while you're cursing it. While you're cursing the president, the governor, Congress, the Senate, the Supreme Court, the mayor. Why don't we do our very best to just speak life? Why don't we just do our very best to be a Proverbs 11:11 person who through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted? Can we just bless our city? Can we just bless our nation? Can we, for, for the next seven days, can we just pray first for our nation? Here's the second thing to pray first about. Number two, pray first for your family. Now, uh, let me make a confession that might make some of you feel better. Uh, the Hennessy family does not have a set devotional time. We don't have a time where we come together and sit around the fire and bring out a big book and tell uh, devotional stories. We, we just, we're just, we've never been those, those kind of people. I'm envious of those kind of people. My kids don't carry a Bible with them 24-7. My kids uh, don't sit at the dinner table and talk about how to exegete the scriptures. Do you know, Father? What I was thinking this afternoon while I was taking my chemistry exam and getting a perfect score, I was thinking about the time when uh, St. Peter said, like, my kids are like, bro, watch this TikTok. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't have a red phone in our house that when you pick it up, Jesus answers. Like, yes, this is Jesus, I may help you. But, but, but in our house, prayer is natural. My kids do pray because in our house, prayer is a priority. Because in our house, prayer is a practice. It's a pattern. Pastor Sonny and I pray for our kids and over our kids every night before bed and every morning before they leave for school. Before you complain about prayer being taken out of our schools, isn't it time you brought prayer back into your homes? Isn't it time that you fought for your kids rather than with your kids, for your marriage rather than in your marriage? The prophet Nehemiah said, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. 
Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, for your sons and your daughters, for your wives and your homes. For the next seven days, can you pray first for your family? Here's the third thing to pray first for is pray first for the lost, the lost. If you want to know what God is interested in, it's the lost. Talk to God about the lost people in your life. You ever talk to somebody who only ever talks about themselves, only ever talks about the things that they're interested in? Like, like isn't that annoying? Isn't, isn't that rude? So why is it that we only ever talk to God about what we're interested in? Our job, our money, our wants, our dreams, desires, our marriages, our kids, our problems. Why don't we talk to God about what God's interested in? Why don't we take what's on God's prayer list and put it on our prayer list? Here's what's on God's prayer list, the lost. The Gospel of Matthew says, then then he said to his disciples, this is Jesus, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Watch this. So pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Put some lost people on your prayer list before you complain about them. Before you criticize them, pray for them. Pro-lifers, before you complain about pro-choicers, pray for them. Like, why is it we'd rather pick it than pray? Vaxxers, before you criticize anti-vaxxers, pray for them. Before you condemn people with different sexual preferences, pray for them. (laughs) And if you can still criticize them after you've cried out to God for them in prayer, then more power to you. But if you pray first for them, I bet you God changes your heart toward them. And if you talk to God about them first, I bet you God gives you an opportunity to talk to them next. And when the opportunity presents itself, you'll now be talking to them with a compassionate heart rather than with a critical heart. Pray first for the lost. Here's the fourth thing to pray first for is pray first for your needs. Before you worry about your needs, before you whine about them, Pray for your needs first, because when you start to do that, this will be the result. You'll be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgivings, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer, it should be our first response, not our last resort. Want provision, protection, peace? Pray first. Like, can you do that just, I mean, not forever. You, you, I'm not asking you to do it forever. I'm just asking you to do it for the next seven days. For the next seven days, can you, can you just make prayer your priority? I hope you will, because if you will, I promise the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds through Christ Jesus. Would you close your eyes all across this place? Pray first. You know, one of the big goals, not just in our church, but in every church, is that lost people come to Jesus. I once was lost, but now I'm found. So maybe you're here today and you're not a Jesus guy or you're not a Jesus girl. You've never entered into a salvation relationship. You've you've never crossed over that line where you've said the things that I'm doing are wrong, and so I want to make a change. I want God to make a difference in me. And so here at 
Life Church, every single Sunday, we give the opportunity for people to receive Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. And those are kind of like medieval words, that someone would be your Lord. That's letting them be your authority. That someone would be your Savior. That's you allowing that person to rescue you. And so today, maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I've been in charge of my life my whole life, and it just hasn't worked. And so you need somebody to rescue. The Bible says that if you'll surrender your life to Jesus, he'll pick it up and he'll exchange it for a life that's new. I wonder if you're here and you say, Sean, I want to exchange my life for a life that's new. Here's, here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do two things. First is to make a confession that your life isn't what it needs to be. And we're going to do that in just a moment. With nobody looking around, I'm going to ask for people to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down. That's going to serve as your form of confession. Then I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer after me along with everyone else in this place. And, and if you repeat that prayer and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says that you, you will be saved. This is the first prayer that you will pray that will get you into God's kingdom. And so if you're here today with nobody looking around and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've tried everything on my own and it hasn't worked. And so I'm willing today to give him a try with nobody looking around. Would you just raise your hand and make God contact with me? Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. 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 Anybody else? I miss anybody? Okay, I'm going to ask everybody in here to repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life, but I don't want it. Take it. Change it. Forgive it. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, it is the greatest prayer that you have ever prayed in your life. It's the greatest first prayer of all prayers. And for some of you, you may feel a total change. You may feel a total waft of relief come over you. For some of you, you may feel... Nothing, but I promise you that now that you've prayed that prayer, your life is going to become a little more difficult. I'm just here to encourage you. <laughs> so here's what we would love for you to do. We would love for you to, to, to fill out the, the card that's in the seat back in front of you. It says hello across the top. You can tear off the bottom part, fill out whatever you're okay with. Let's check the box that's highlighted in yellow and put it in the black buckets when they come around at the end. Or you can scan the QR code on the back of the seat or up on the screen. And the reason that we do that is because we want to connect with you. We know that, that when you become a follower of Jesus, particularly in the first few weeks, the enemy will attack you. And so we want the opportunity to help protect you, to help cover you. And so we would love it if you would fill those out. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes uh, one more time uh, before we partake in Holy Communion. I wonder if you're here today and you say, uh, Sean, I'm saved. I've prayed the first prayer. Uh, I haven't made prayer first in my life. Uh, Maybe you don't pray at all. You're going to heaven. This isn't a matter of whether you get to get in or not. You're already on the team. You're in the family. But you know that you're not communicating. And so if you're here and you say, Sean, I haven't been praying first, and I commit that I would like to pray first for the next seven days with no one looking around. Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Yes. Jesus, thank you for my friends who are in this place who love you. There's no question about that. They're committed to you. They're, they're even connected to you. They just haven't been communicating with you. And so today I pray in this place that you would speak to their hearts and minds, that you would prompt them, that you would remind them, that you would prick their hearts. 
And for the next seven days as they wake up, they would make prayer the first thing that they do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew on That. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.